Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Awakening Through Illness. In this episode, Eckhart talks with a live audience filled with either patients or healthcare professionals about the new consciousness emerging in medicine. Eckhart explains why there's been a lack of compassion, time and care patients. He offers solutions on how doctors can be more fully present with their patients and get to know them on an individual basis. Eckhart also explains how illness can become an awakening, pushing us out of our ego and into a connection with our deeper self. So let's just be here in thoughtless awareness. And if thoughts come, just don't follow them. Let them release them, let them go. If you have a question that you'd like to ask, I believe you come up to the microphone and ask your question. Hopefully, an interesting question. <laughs> so, shall we start? Hello, Eckhart. Hi. A year ago, at this time, it was discovered that I had stage three colon cancer. And they discovered that cancer was throughout my body. I went through extreme chemotherapy treatments for over six months. And during that time, I became bedridden. And I was in extreme physical pain. It was the best time of my life, spiritually. During that entire time, I was in a spiritual retreat within myself. It was profound. My question to you is, now that I'm healthy and going back into the busy life that I had before, what advice you would give to me or someone else in how to maintain that beautiful inner spiritual retreat of oneness while entering back into the world. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you. you. That's an amazing example of the potential transformational value, awake, awakening value that a serious illness can have if you allow it to work in that way. It's just amazing. And in your case, there has been a kind of healing, perhaps, or probably, because of the shift in consciousness and the deepening. And then an illness like that actually, as it forces you into presence, burns up the ego in you, fuel for consciousness. Now you have to be careful, if you do go back into your busy life, don't allow stress to arise, ever. It is possible to be busy without stress. If you find it's not possible for you, then it's better not to be busy at all. 
So being busy without stress means just being totally focused on whatever you happen to be doing right now. Never focused more on the outcome that you want to achieve through whatever activity you're doing right now than the activity itself. So you, there can be high energy in the doing. If there's no stress, there's actually a heightened sense of aliveness as you are active. That heightened sense of aliveness could be called enjoyment of what you're doing. You enjoy not only the outer doing, you enjoy the energy behind the doing. You might have heard the Zen saying, hurry slowly. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be slow. You can be fast. The slow is the inner state. The slowness is the stillness and the peace that is still there even while externally you may be very active. But as you're not focused on the outcome, you're focused on the doing, you enjoy not only the external activity, but more importantly, you enjoy the energy that is behind it, the energy movement. And then you can be working very fast or doing whatever you're doing very fast, and yet in a state of enjoyment rather than stress. So extreme vigilance is required so that you don't fall back into any kind of stress, which always means you're not fully in the doing. You're mentally somewhere else. So it's fine to be active again, but not if you don't enjoy it. So the enjoyment needs to be there. Then you are not going to lose the presence that has already burned up large part of your ego or the entire ego. Ego simply meaning complete identification with form. What you just told us is a very inspiring example of what is possible. How an illness can be the great awakener. And it helps, of course, if before somebody becomes ill, he or she has already had some contact with spirituality, but it doesn't, even that's not necessary. I have seen people that had not the slightest glimpse of spirituality, and yet at some point in the illness, the awakening happened. I've also seen people who shortly before their death through illness became utterly and completely present so that they actually felt joyful. There was no fear anymore. There might have been fear initially, but fear is when you think about what's going to happen to you or the body. So anything like that, if you allow it to force you almost into utter and complete presence, then what looks as a terrible curse actually is transformed into a blessing. What I said about stress really applies to everybody, but it's more, even more important for you. Stress is not a healthy or even sane state to be in. I know it's hard to live in this civilization without stress, where almost everybody is stressed. And they even might think if you're not stressed, there's something wrong with you. Well, your boss might think if you're not stressed, you're not doing your work. <laughs> so if you absolutely cannot function without stress, I would suggest to make some changes in your life. But many things can be done without stress. You can function without stress and function better 
it, but it requires vigilance. Multitasking is a word that's been very much around these days. Now that in itself is stressful. And by the way, multitasking is actually an impossibility because even when you think you're multitasking, you can still only do one thing at a time. And that's a state of great mental confusion and, and stress. When, when you're doing something, you say, I really should be doing something else, but I also need to be doing this. The Zen master, I've quoted him a few times, when asked to explain the essence of Zen, as you know, Zen masters never explain anything in a, in a complicated way or through mental concepts. What's the essence of Zen? And he said, doing one thing at a time. That's Zen. And one more thing for the questioner just now, not just talking about your activity for a moment, wherever you are at any time, don't wait for life to have to force you again into presence. Choose the presence that is already powerfully in you and in continuously invite that intense presence that you had when you were facing almost, one can say, imminent death that intense presence that arose there, choose it even when you're not being challenged now, so that even when you go f from your home to your workplace or drive or go or walk, it's nothing, nothing in particular to do or you're waiting, that intense presence can be there now. You don't have to be forced into it any longer. So that's a wonderful thing. Okay, let's see if there's any other question. Thank you very much, Eckhart. Your teaching allows us actually to go into the darker place of this planet and to help. Yes. Uh, as a trauma surgeon, South Africa, working in Somalia, I encounter and help victims of the suicide bombings. Now, when, and you tell us when we are dealing with pain body, when the pain body is too big, we need to retrieve. How can we, as a collective, deal with such severe pain body, it's really a collective question because we face it, September 11, Boko Haram, ISIS, and I know consciousness is actually beyond the duality of good and bad. But as a collective, is there something as enlightened military defense possibly? Because sometimes we need to stop something. Yes, well, certainly, thank you. Thank you. Certainly there are extreme manifestations of unconsciousness and it is sometimes necessary to defend yourself against that in the right way. Defense may be necessary sometimes if it's done wisely and if it's not reactive but a response to the situation. Wisdom is an absolute requirement for taking right decisions, but unfortunately, wisdom is hard to come by in political circles. It seems that as people go into politics, they might even have gone in with wisdom, but then it grinds you down, and uh, it seems very hard to stay conscious once you're in the political system. Here and there, there are people who realize the importance of wisdom. So any decision one takes of how to defend oneself, wisdom is required so that whatever you do does not make things worse. So, yes, 
in the face of extreme unconsciousness, you may need to defend yourself, certainly. Another more general remark about these events, this is only one example of humans creating something that looks actually quite insane, like the suicide bombing and whatever, looks quite insane, but how is it possible for humans to behave in such a way? And is this not evil? Go back to the Europe in the first part of the 20th century, the whole, whole first part of Europe in the 20th century, the first half of the 20th century, was a nightmare. What humans did to other humans at that time, First World War, Second World War, just unimaginable horrors. So that at every time period, the human collective, the unconsciousness that is embedded in, in the collective will manifest through, through certain groups of people. And, and if you close one door, another one opens and manifests over there. In the same way that the, the need for an enemy that is also there manifests, the, the Cold War came to an end and said, oh, how wonderful, there's no enemy anymore. And not many years passed and quickly another big enemy arose somewhere else. And now we need to fight that one. Now, coming back to the atrocities that are perpetrated in different ways at different time periods, it's certainly the case that we need to recognize that this is insane. It is a form of collective insanity, psychosis, this one that is a benign way of looking at it. You could call it evil, but I wouldn't go, I would say it's just insanity because it has no re seems to have no real purpose. They achieve nothing through that. So it's insanity. Wanna make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Now, if we go then to a, a higher level, of a higher perspective then you see that the entire consciousness of humanity is involved in an evolutionary process. And that evolutionary process, if you look at humanity with one single whole, the, the, the consciousness of humanity as a single thing, being just one aspect of universal consciousness, so this consciousness of humanity, and every human being is part of that one consciousness of humanity, which in itself is part of the universal consciousness. And consciousness, this consciousness of humanity, is involved in a, an awakening process. And you might know from your own life 
and I know from my life that the awakening process for quite a while involves intense suffering. So humanity as a whole is going through intense suffering because we are all going through the awakening process. And the intense suffering that the individual goes through, a lot of that is also self-created. It's created by the delusional identity we call the ego. The suffering in my life was self-created. There are other forms of suffering that may come to you from the outside, but, but even then, the suffering is the reaction to, to the external events, and that's, that is the real suffering, and that's always self-created. So both on a personal level and on a collective level, a large part of human suffering, the larger part, is self-created by humans. They inflict it on other humans, and of course they suffer themselves eventually also. So these are what is called the birth pangs of the awakening. These are the, the pains of the arising of consciousness. And if you stay now on the higher perspective, all humans are temporary expressions of the one awakening consciousness. And all humans suffer and inflict suffering, some more than others, but they are all, all humans are really expressions or life forms, expressions of the one consciousness. The one consciousness is indestructible. The human bodies die. The essence that is in every human continues to evolve. Although we need to realize, we need to see that what's happening is insane because that's part of the awakening. If nobody sees that what we are doing to each other, to ourselves and to each other, if we don't see that it is insane, then we, we do not awaken through it. But if we recognize the insanity of it, that is already part of the awakening. And then there is a higher level, of a higher perspective, where you can see that actually there is an evolutionary process at work here. And it sometimes seems the two levels are contradictory, but they are both true on their own level. So I can make two statements that are both true. Things are terrible down here, and all is well, ultimately. Both are true, you can't ignore one, so you have to live with seemingly contradictory truths. The all is well comes through your own realization of encountering that in you that's not subject to time, the timeless consciousness in you, and from there you can know that ultimately all is well. And then retrospectively, the entire history of mankind, except the awakening, can be seen as a nightmare preceding an awakening. Okay, let's see if there are any more questions. Good afternoon. Hello. I'm a uh, quantum physicist by education. Now I work with blind people, and people are losing their sight to try to preserve the sight. In doing so, I carry a lot of their pain with me all the time. And wherever I look, I see your teaching. However, I'm in the investment world, 
So I'm always faced with uh, a lot of resistance because it's not conducive to good business to spend too much time being too soft. And I was wondering if you can comment a little bit on how can I help the patients and also help the people who are in the business side of things. Yes. Thank you. So you work in a, a, a hospital or a clinic that specializes in helping people with their side? Actually, I'm, I'm an inventor and I take my inventions. We have an investment firm. So we work with people, not only in this country, but other countries, to try and find solutions to restore sight for people who have completely lost their sight or uh, preserve whatever sight is left for people. So in addition to treating the eyes, the eyesight of humans, you realize there's more that you are able to do for them. There's an additional dimension there. And there's a little bit of conflict between this. Again, we come again to the system that you work in and what you feel that you need to do to feel fulfilled and to help others in becoming more conscious, sometimes using their suffering to become more conscious. Yes. Are you able to still do that within the structure that you work now, or can you change it from within, or do you need to create a new structure? I would not give up, do not compromise on what you feel you are called upon to do with other human beings. So don't compromise and say, okay, I'll just have to drop this and just treat them to do like everybody else. But see if you can still function from within the system and do what you feel you need to do. And if you can't, again, it's, it's a question of doing it in a new way, creating something that makes it possible for you to work on both levels, on the outer level and the inner level with human beings. And many of you may find, because you represent the arising and the awakening consciousness, many of you will find that the existing structures within which you work are not able to carry the new consciousness anymore. So many of you will find it necessary to step out of, sometimes, as I said, they can, may, in certain cases, they can be changed from within if there are enough people within who want to change it. But many structures are too rigid for change. So it is up to you to create new structures and come together perhaps with others who are also awakening so that the new structures will reflect your state of consciousness. So this is what the world needs. The world cannot continue to function within the old structures that are a product of unenlightened uh, states of consciousness. The economy, the political system, even in, here in the States, it seems to, compared to some other places, functions quite well, but it's dysfunctional too. All those things, they require new structures to reflect 
the arising consciousness. So that's your job to create those. And here we come to that part of manifestation, which the universe also wants. It wants you to manifest, it will use you, it will work through you to manifest new forms, because the old forms don't work anymore. It's a wonderful thing to, to do that. And you will see how empowered you suddenly become as you go about creating new forms, how powerful your abilities to manifest will be if they are in alignment with what the universe wants, with what the one consciousness wants. They are not little egos wanting to create something. You are in alignment with what the universe needs right now, what the awakening consciousness wants. If you then start manifesting from that deeper level within yourself, you'll be amazed how empowered you can be in your manifestation. This is a new way of creating. If stress comes in, you're falling back into the old consciousness. This is a joyful way of creating new forms and new structures in this world. The old way, while you're creating, you're stressed and angry and, and you're fighting others. Of course, you would encounter obstacles to that which you want to create because the old structures, they will regard you as an enemy in some cases. And that's fine, you have no enemies, let them regard you as an enemy, but you don't attack, another important thing, you don't attack the old structures and say how dreadfully wrong they are, focus on the new. So the important thing in the new way of creating external forms, if obstacle arise, then the obstacle can be overcome not by attacking it, some obstacles are overcome by yielding, but yes, you will encounter obstacles Then that can only help you deepening your resolve and deepening your connectedness to the consciousness that, that wants to create through you. What I sometimes say, it's not a question of asking yourself, what do I want? from life, or what do I want in life? We ask yourself, what does life want from me? Life means consciousness. Consciousness is the essence of all life. What does life want me to do? And many of you know already, you have, it might not come up very clearly yet, but you have an inkling at least of what it is that life wants you to do. And if you don't have it, then just wait a little, become still. It could take a while. There's a, transformation of consciousness and an awakening in you, it will affect others. Even if you never meet them, because underneath the surface of things, all humans are connected. So one human being going through an awakening makes it easier for many others to go through an awakening. Even if that human being never does anything particularly interesting in his or her outer life, others go through an awakening and they will do significant and interesting and meaningful things in their outer life. But even if you don't, it will affect the totality of human consciousness. You could withdraw to an ashram or live as a hermit, you would still affect the totality of human consciousness. 
and the danger of the active person who acts from this higher level of consciousness is that he or she may become so focused on the doing, beginning to think that the doing is more important than the being behind it, and then loses touch with the being, and therefore also gets lost in doing and falls below thinking and gets trapped. What he wanted to avoid in the first place gets back into the same trap of mind. As you know very well, when you want to create something or something wants to be created through you, the important thing is to not to believe that you need to attract something into your life. It doesn't manifest from there, it manifests from within, from within out. So the feeling that it's already a reality in you, Jesus already said that, when you pray for something, believe that you already have it. And of course, all many books that you can read on manifestation, the good ones, will also tell you that when you want to create something, you need to feel its reality already as here and now. It is already here. So you need to manifest out of the fullness of the present moment. If you lose touch with the fullness of the present moment, which means being in touch with being, in touch with the essence of who you are, that's where all fullness arises. The fullness of life, as Jesus called it, the emptiness, as the Buddha called it. <laughs> if you are in touch with that, you create from there, then the satisfaction is already here. It's not postponed to some future moment. And that's, then you become a powerful creator, or the universe creates powerfully through you. So the, the manifestation is also a joyful thing. And it could be that something else wants to manifest. You might have had a vision that wasn't quite correct, and something even better comes about. That can happen also. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Okay, let's see if there's any more questions left. Hello. Hi. So first, I want to say what an honor it is to be here with, with you and with everyone else. So um, I've been reading your work for 10, 15 years, and I'm an ER physician. And uh, trying to imagine a possibility where an emergency room is not a stressful environment is very difficult for me to envision. Yes. <laughs> now, I enjoy what I do, and I see that it's, it's meaningful, you know, and it makes a difference. And I don't know how long I can keep it up. Yes. 
I, I just don't know how to bring presence. And, and then you talk about all the, I mean, I try to make a difference for who I'm dealing with. And there's people that I deal with that are very easy for me to connect with. And then I'm dealing with people with major psychiatric issues, people with major drug issues, people that are seeking something from me that are not there for anything medical. They want a prescription pain medication. It's a really challenging environment to bring this kind of work to. Yes. And I'm interested in what sort of insights you have yes. into that. So how are you managing, as far as your state of consciousness is concerned, while you do your work? Well, I, I think I'm unconscious most of the time. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I have moments, you know, and, I, and what, I've, what I started to see that I could try to do is, and, and some of the psychiatrists are saying they have 15 minutes with a patient. I have sometimes two minutes. If I have five minutes, that's a long time in a room. I mean, I'll have 10, 12 patients at a time. But then I'm immediately in my head. I'm judging them. I'm evaluating them. I'm, I'm thinking, of what kind of person are they? Is their pain real? Is their pain fake? Do I believe what they're saying? Are they just anxious? Right. So trying to come from that place of stillness, of quiet, of listening from nothing, of help. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love to try it out, but I can't take your place because I would need years of training before I could fulfill your function. Yeah, you're welcome to come follow me anytime. <laughs> <laughs> that might be interesting. But, <laughs> but nevertheless, I know that there are people in, within those kinds of environments who are so absorbed by what they do, they are totally in their mind and you are relatively conscious, otherwise you wouldn't be here. Despite that environment, it is possible that you may be more conscious in your environment than you realize. What I would do is be absolutely present, and you may be doing that already, for example, when you assess or evaluate a person, you ask, is this a fake illness, is, is this real pain? What kind of person is it? What does he need? What does he need? You may be doing a lot of that already without any words going through your mind, through looking. You look and you know what the answer is. It seems so far you can function in that environment, but you may not be able to f function for many, many years because in that high-stress environment like that, nobody should be in there for too long. So look at yourself and see whether there are areas in your work where you can be more present. But my guess is that you are already more present than you realize. In fact, you're doing a lot of good too. Within the limitations of the system, you're doing a lot of good. At the moment, it seems you are actually up to the challenge, but the hours are long, and eventually, I think you would suffer from stress disorder. Nobody, no human being, I believe, could function in that for 20 or 30 years without losing presence. Sustain as much presence as you can, but if you notice a deterioration in your state of consciousness over a period of time, I believe the reading of my books 
and being in touch with this teaching has probably helped you a lot to sustain presence. Meditation, I think for you particularly, I think would be a very good thing to counteract the work environment. And perhaps even you have developed more presence because you have to counteract the relatively mad environment of your workplace. So the fact that you are drawn to this and the fact that you have been finding it helpful quite simply means that consciousness is awakening in you despite all that, your work environment. How? I don't know. It's a miracle. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm a physician also. But my question is related to all the other physicians that I work with who are suffering, and I can see it in them, and it's the more that I learn your teachings, the more I see the suffering in them, and I don't know what to do to help them. Have you made any attempt to somehow convey this to your colleagues, maybe unsuccessful attempts so far? To some degree. Just over the last couple of years, there's been real research showing burnout, and that's a definable thing. And so we can use the term burnout, which doesn't seem to offend people, to talk about it. Yeah. And then I've, I've introduced some mindfulness strategies, because that's another term that doesn't seem to offend people. I was just going to say that mindfulness has become almost acceptable. In, uh, uh, If you use that word, that might be more acceptable than presence. It's the same thing, of course, but I don't use mindfulness because it implies that your mind is full, but that's okay. (laughs) So what about creating a support group for people who work in similar capacities, both people that you know personally and perhaps other people, because nowadays the strange thing is the wonderful thing about the technology that we have nowadays, you can reach so many people through the internet and so on, but you would start on a small scale. What about a mindfulness group for physicians? You could call it that. You can become the leader of that. (laughs) Because... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes life asks you to do something. It may ask you to do something before you may think you're ready for it, but life knows better. And the strange thing is, you as a person would never really feel ready for this because it's hard to do. But if you can become still and get out of the way, because becoming still means getting out of the way, if you can become still, you'll be amazed, and I'm not only talking to you but many others, you'll be amazed how empowered suddenly the words that you speak become or the energy that flows through you and how inspired you become, and what it might lead to. Because things need to change if the system, not only in medicine, but in many other areas, is ripe for 
either collapse or complete change. It cannot go on the way it's going because it can only become more disintegrating. No matter where you look, it's, it's a question of it'll either collapse or change. And if it collapses, that's fine too. Now I'm talking about social systems and so on in, in general. Eventually something more conscious will arise or something more conscious may arise and transform the old before it collapses completely. <laughs> so the ideas will come to you. You can just offer to them, for example, have an, a meditation, show, show them what mindfulness is, see if they like it, and then go on from there, and then transmit it, go on the internet, contact others. It may suddenly spread. There are people in mainstream who are doing this if you can build up a support network of people who can then support others, there are infinite possibilities. But anybody who is here would have to consider themselves as a, a leader in this because you may not yet be fully present all the time and fully enlightened on a daily basis, but you know much more than most. I mean, and I don't, don't mean conceptual knowledge, there's a knowing in you of that dimension of consciousness that is still news to many. And uh, I believe that the world desperately needs you. And you start in your world. You can reach the, the most appropriate place for you to reach others is within your sphere of influence, and that is your work. So what form that will take, only you can know. It will be helpful to connect with others, get feedback, talk about it, what can we do? So see yourself as a spearheading this movement of awakening because they need you. So not only your patients need you, your colleagues need you. And then the work that you do, which is wonderful, will be enhanced immeasurably by bringing a different state of consciousness to it. And once that happens, then the entire system may begin to undergo a change. Change always begins within. How do you feel about this? <laughs> I'm a little speechless. <laughs> but it's a crisis. And, and I think that uh, it, it really is a crisis. I know you're speaking not just to me, but to others that are here, and, and, and I think that we need to do this in all aspects of, of medicine. So, if I can help. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, thank you for giving me the, the push. Thank you. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. My question concerns the cultivation of virtue. I hear many traditions speak about 
cultivating loving kindness, cultivating compassion. I heard you say that loving kindness comes naturally out of presence. So can we cultivate virtues like you practice, you practice and you become it? Thanks. That term tends to be used a lot in Buddhist teachings, the term cultivate, cultivating virtues. So in Buddhism, there's a list of nice things that you... I, I only know the essential Buddhism. I can't remember the long lists that you get in Buddhism of virtues and so on. I know the, the basic thing, which I undoubtedly is what the Buddha taught, is the origin of suffering and the way beyond suffering. That's the Buddha. I think all the longer lists were compiled at a later stage by monks who wanted to make things more understandable and accessible to other monks, but they were not fully present when they did these long lists, but that's okay. <laughs> so ultimately, of course, it is better that somebody should at least attempt to cultivate the various virtues. The primary one in Christianity would be, of course, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the primary. And really it all boils down to that. In Buddhism, metta, loving kindness towards others is important. But ultimately, to cultivate this, it's a wonderful intention, and it's better than not trying to cultivate it, but ultimately you won't really succeed unless there's a shift in consciousness in you that is primary. There may be many other things that are important, but there's only one thing that is of primary importance, and that is to find within you that dimension of consciousness and then live from that dimension of consciousness. And if you live from that dimension of consciousness, then naturally you will love your neighbor as yourself because you recognize your neighbor as essentially one with who you are. And then you will also love God as yourself because you will then recognize essentially that God is the source of your very being. So all the, the virtues arise naturally out of that state of connectedness with being, which is presence, love, benevolence, goodwill towards other human beings, which is all aspects of love and whatever other virtues, really it all comes to down to no longer feeling that acute sense of separation between yourself and other human beings, and between yourself and the, the source of who you are, the, the, the source of all life, God being the source of all life, the unmanifested source of all life. When I use the word God, I'm not speaking of an authority figure, a controlling authority figure, but the source of all life. So, your question was good. I'm glad you asked it. <laughs> Thank you for um, spreading such a, a positive, shining light. Uh, my question is a, is a fun kind of question. I was wondering, is it possible to have a conscious conversation? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> have you experimented with that? Yes, I have. And? Um, I came to the conclusion that maybe 
two people wouldn't actually be talking to each other in a conscious conversation. They would be sitting opposite each other in awareness. Oh, well, that's even better. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> a conscious conversation is basically a conversation where it's between two people. Each person is not identified with their viewpoint, their perspective, their mental position. They put forward their perspective, their positions, their viewpoints without any sense of self in it because they don't need that because their sense of self is derived from the presence that they can sense throughout the conversation in the background of their being. And then they can play with concepts, they can play with opinions, they can play with words, they can play with arguments even. To, this is my argument is this, and then the other person, well, and mine is that. The famous saying, what is it, we agree to disagree, or something like that, that sounds relatively conscious because at least you're, you're, you're not, if you're not identified with your positions, then you say, that's fine, we agree, that's okay, it's interesting. Self-identification with mental positions is the unconsciousness because then you'll be defending your mental positions but you're really defending your sense of self and this is why these conversations become can easily and very quickly become very unpleasant they, they are unconscious so in unconscious conversation and with very unconscious people it is can even happen I mean, you can probably read about it in the papers all the time. They get so so defensive and aggressive about their respective mental positions, they start physically attacking each other. <laughs> so, what is your experience with being engaged in conversation? Do you easily get into that position where you start to defend your sense of self? In my case, I've been experimenting with uh, thoughtless awareness. Yes. And I've been present appreciating and, and being aware of the essence of the individual in front of me. Yes. Listening to their words, uh, and, but just allowing that presence of acceptance. However, I've struggled with returning a conversation point in that state. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, and that's where the real practice begins. <laughs> Uh, uh, because if you kind of withdraw from engagement, then it's relatively easy to sustain presence. But when you begin to actually interact verbally, of course, thoughts become words, yes. then the real practice begins. And especially if you engage in a conversation with certain things that you feel strongly about. Right. <laughs> and ideally, you choose somebody who has the to totally opposite viewpoints then you can really practice. <laughs> so, uh, uh, it's funny you should mention that because um, <laughs> I'm an acupuncturist. Oh, yeah. And uh, the way I operate with energy medicine is in an opposite position to Western medicine in many respects from a yeah. thought-based point of view. And so I'm meeting a lot of individuals who have got a very strong position and uh, I'm trying my best to allow this concept into this new institution. So I should imagine I'll be facing a lot of 
challenges. Yes, so you can, there's a lot of, you can be, you'll be practicing conscious conversation, especially with physicians who say, I don't believe in all that, and I know uh, uh, that's all, oh, it's a lot of rubbish, but you do what you do, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. then that's, that could be an interesting conscious conversation. It can be challenging, but the, the art is to remain present even as you put forward your point of view so that, and this is important, I've said it before, but I say it again, <laughs> so that you don't identify with whatever thoughts you are expressing. Identify meaning that they constitute your sense of self, and that's unconscious. That is self-identification with thinking. That's the essence of unconsciousness. And so, in order to counteract that, because there is an enormous pull when you start arguing with somebody, <laughs> or they argue with you, there needs to be a high degree of alertness in you, and that alertness is presence. Mm. And that alertness needs to be there, and then the words need to come out of that state of alertness. And that gives you your sense of who you are, your sense of self is in the, in the presence. Then you can play with concepts and words. Then you can put forward your viewpoints, and even if they are, your viewpoints are being challenged, you will not feel attacked in your sense of self. That is the essence of conscious conversation. I wish you luck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm a physician assistant and I practice at, in Michigan, in the Midwest, in an area that's still very conservative. I'm excited to say I'm involved on two wellness committees and I have dreams of bringing mindfulness to not just other providers, but to our patients. In the 12 years that I've been practicing, I've done lots of different things, worked in surgery, critical care, gastroenterology, and as I've been listening to you, it seems like the imbalance is truly this codependency that is encouraged by modern-day healthcare. Not just patients dissociating from their role in wellness, but the pressure of providers to assume that responsibility. And what I heard from you, and please tell me if I'm on the right track, is that as we, whether we're providers or patients, enter into the present moment, we can trust the now. We can trust our connection to source and what's manifesting in our experience. And as long as we have that connection, that there's no need to fear what is being said, that the proper energy transference will happen, yeah. and that time as we know it dissolves. Yes. And so we as persons who feel called to be healers do the greatest service by teaching through example, by being present, yeah. and leading others back to the truth of their wholeness. Yeah. Right? Thank you. <laughs> well, that's all. I think we needed to, everybody needed to listen to you. It's one, there's no answer because there's no question and the truth, you've been speaking the truth. So it's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you.
I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.